Welcome back to the I Love Gold podcast presented by Acme Packing Company of SB Nation. Uh, I am joined today by the legendary Evan Tex Western. Uh, huh. What's your official title? What do you want to go by? I think you technically are my boss, right? Uh, managing editor is the official title. Um, the the guys on the Unpack like to refer to me as corporate overlord. I kind of uh, okay. I kind of get a little kick out of that, but. Um, yeah, managing editor, I guess, is the the formal title. Well, the goal today is to not get fired, so I'm going to do my <laughs> best. Uh, little housekeeping note: uh, oh, we do have good news. I do finally have a full time co host. Uh, that's going to be Chris Burt going forward. He was going to join us today. Unfortunately, he is sick. Uh, funny enough, both him and I were recording this on Monday night. Both got COVID tests today. Uh, both negative, thank goodness. But we're both under the weather. Uh, I'm doing a little better. Uh, had we recorded this on Friday, I don't think I could have talked. Uh, I think we need to start getting an official like injury report for the Acme Packing and Company staff. Like, <laughs> who's a game time decision for the week? Who's inactive? What do you think? Yeah, and uh, the staff has built up um, quite a bit over the last six months or so. So we've got uh, a bigger roster to to go through. So we'll have a lot more um, a lot more game time statuses to to run down uh, than we would have about a year ago. <laughs> Well, for me, it's always something. Either I'm sick or I slept wrong and I can't move my neck or something. You know, the late 20s are getting late, man. Oh, man. Just wait till you hit 34. You'll start having aches and pains and joints you didn't even know you had. Oh, I can't wait for that. You know, really (laughs) off to a great start. But this is supposed to be a happy episode of this podcast, you know. (laughs) Uh, What an absolutely insane game on Sunday night. If you've been following along the feed, you got the game recap. Uh, Tex was in the game recap as well. I was not, and I have a trillion thoughts. Uh, I think we need to go one by one. Uh, But first off, just awesome win. I think when you think about that game going in, I think the entire staff thought it was going to be a loss. Not only just a loss, but a blowout loss. On paper, it was a team that's just always had the Packers number. For them to come out the way they did, overcome some absolutely garbage officiating, uh, you know, some injuries, and pull out another iconic Aaron Rodgers final drive. I don't think there could have been a, a better way for that game to just play out. Yeah, absolutely. It, it reminded me a little bit of week three last year when we had another big NFC game on the road. Packers were were not favored in that game, uh, the, the New Orleans game last year, and went down and, and had a you know played a really good game again, missing a key player or two. Adams didn't play last year in that game. Um Obviously, with with this week, you had your top two options at left tackle out and and Kevin King being a surprise scratch. So it, it reminded me a little bit of that. And I, I do really feel like that was the statement last year to the NFC that, you know, look out for Green Bay. And, and they obviously went on and, and earned the one seed. Um, I think this could be a, a similar springboard type of game for this team the rest of the season. How absolutely furious are the haters right now? You know, <laughs> you got to think about it. Like it's it's one of those going into this week, the entire narrative all off season and the first two weeks, Aaron doesn't want to be there. This team's going to be unfocused, all this stuff. And not only to overcome, you know, all of that talk, but again, just the officiating. It seemed like everything was going the Niners way and to still pull out that win. I really want to know what Jermichael Finley thinks. It feels like we always hear about him when things are going bad, but you know, why doesn't Mike Florio just hit up Finley and be like, Hey, how do you feel now that they're doing well? The, the post game interview that Rogers had with Michelle Tafoya was fantastic. Um, his, his comment about, 
You know, how can you not get romantic about football? Uh, it, that, that kind of says it all. And it, it just backs up kind of what I think, I think it backs up what I've been saying this whole time that there was no chance that once he was back, he was, he was going to be a hundred percent dialed in, right? Absolutely. Like there's, there's no chance that he, he came back only to be checked out and, and to, to not give it everything he's got. So, you know, you saw it from him, you saw it from Adams with, with getting up off the turf after a, a nasty hit. Um, you know, those two guys basically doing it to, to get them in position for that game winning field goal. It was great to see the offense out there. You know, it was incredible seeing how fast everything was going, especially in the passing game. And when you talk about everyone talks about, you know, when you're taking shots down the field, how those have to be like slow developing plays. There were a couple instances. I, I most notably that third and short opening drive to Alan Lazard. It did not take a lot of time to get those throws out. So I believe his, it's just something I think he had a perfect passer rating uh, under two seconds to throw something like I that. Think I saw that too. Yeah. Um, just the way he was getting the ball, the way the offense was designed. It was, it was one of those things where Lafleur finally outplayed Shanahan as far as offensively, in my opinion. A hundred percent. And, and you knew they needed to get the quick passing game going with Bosa, especially matched up against Yash Nyman on the, on the left side. Um, and, and just the, the, the general youth across the offensive line uh, against that really strong 49ers defensive front um, that, that had to be the, the game plan. And they, they ran it again to perfection for the most part uh, in terms of a lot of the play calling um, everything in that first half, really aside from a couple of weird, um, you know, weird decisions here and there, but, but just generally the offensive design um, the game plan that they put together was, was fantastic. It was just, it was great all around. So credit to LaFleur, credit to, to Nathaniel Hackett and, and Rogers and those guys for, for coming up with that plan. Stenovich might get a coordinator job after this year, the way he has put, I, I feel like we're going to talk about this later too, but just, you have to give a tip your cap to that man. The mm-hmm. way he's had this entirely new offensive line, it's banged up and they're keeping Rogers upright. Just one sack. I mean, you know, just look and, up, and the rotation. Before. Yeah. The rotation of, of players playing different positions so often. Um, I mean, obviously Jenkins has done it. Uh, Billy Turner's played a couple different positions. So the ability to have that versatility on the line um, and, and that's a ton of credit for that again, has to go to your point to Stenovich and, and Luke Buckus to, to get those guys ready to play in different positions every week um, and, and make sure you have a solid five out there. I'm going to, I've always wanted to say this in a, a, you know, a setting with a platform. This is an absolutely crazy idea. What if you just tried to draft all versatile offensive linemen? And then based on your (laughs) matchups, you just started moving them around the line every week. I know this is a completely out there idea and I just, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but if you just had, I'm not saying they all have to be Jenkins, but if you could have five guys that can move around the line, I feel like you could just do so much with that. You know, and I, I think the Packers kind of have three or four of them right yeah. now because Turner can play. I mean, he's started games at left tackle, right tackle, and right guard in Green Bay. Um, Jenkins has started at three or four different positions. Um, I mean, Lucas Patrick's a guy who can play anywhere on the interior. Royce Newman was a college tackle and, and is starting at guard now. So they definitely it, – it's very clear to me that they do value that versatility in their linemen, um, maybe even more so than – uh, Ted Thompson did. I mean, Thompson was obviously the master of drafting college left tackles and moving them inside. But once they, you know, once they moved into guard, they weren't 
they weren't kicking back outside whatsoever. Um, but I think you've got guys that that can do you know play play inside, play outside on this team, um, and that's I do think that's a big reason why they have been able to. Uh, adjust and overcome so many injuries this last couple of years. It's kind of just like bonus depth, right? I mean, if you think about that, you can only have a certain amount of linemen realistically on a roster by having guys that can do multiple jobs makes that so much easier. Um, We can dive into that a bit more later. Uh, I do have, I we've already mentioned it twice and I, I just had to like schedule out some time for it. I am so pissed off about the (laughs) officiating in this game Everything was going so well, and it's one of those games where had they lost, I would have not, I would have not recognized that as an L. Um, there were so many brutal calls and non-calls. Um, the only one I'll say where I didn't have that much of a problem with it, and I know everyone else has talked about it, that intentional grounding call at the end of the half. I think there's precedence there when you're getting hit. Just yep. they never call it. They just don't. they're gonna yeah. Th- anytime there's contact to the quarterback, especially you know anywhere around the torso, arm, shoulder area, they're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. So um, I wasn't I wasn't mad about that one. Um, and I also the the tripping call on Adrian Amos on that sack. Yep. Was I mean he clearly stuck his foot out, tripped Garoppolo. Now he was being held, which had to lead to him him doing that. So you know you can make I, I think it stood out it stood out pretty there were, yeah there were there should have at least been offsetting penalties on that play so um again it wasn't a, a completely clean play for the refs on that one but if jerome boger and his crew anyone in that crew get playoff assignments this year uh that's that's the surest sign that that the nfl's officiating is even more broken than we thought it was because that that whole performance top to bottom every one of them i think <laughs> must have missed a call uh because gosh, so many, so many bad flags. The the review on the Sanu quote unquote catch. First of all, I don't know how that's called a catch on the field. The the ref is looking, staring yeah. straight at Sanu over the middle. Um, so how he doesn't see the ball move right, you know, in live time is beyond me. And then to to look at it that many times and somehow determine that the ground didn't caused the ball to to move and, it helped and him secure the, the catch which i feel like by the rule is it's not Ex- a catch then yeah yep yeah so that one it ended up you know not being a, a huge play in terms of um win percentage uh paul noonan basically broke down all of the big penalties that they called by winning percentage uh today so check that one out that was on, fascinating on, honestly on the site. Yeah, and and I'll have to double check which one was the the biggest swing. Um, I think it was actually the tripping call that that was the big swing uh, from you know, giving. I think it, it added like ten percent to to San Francisco's winning percentage based on the time and the score at that point. Um, the review wasn't that big a deal, uh, just because the Packers were up by ten at that point, and it was you know it was a first and ten play. I think anyway. Yeah. So. Um, but still, uh, that one was infuri- infuriating. The long pass interference that they called on Stokes. Poor Stokes, man. Having, oh. such, having such a great start to the year, and it's just like that. Yeah. We're not going to give the rookie any benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah, and I know we'll touch on him later too. But yeah, it, it just it just seemed like it was coming play after play after play. And it, it, it felt like one of those games where you just – you, you felt as the second half goes along that you're just going to be miserable by the end uh, because your team is going to 
you know, going to end up losing because of a, a weird call or a bad call or something. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of almost went that way. <laughs> it might have been the first time in my life I've ever seen a roughing the passer call, called, well, roughing the passer penalty called when a quarterback didn't go down. Yep. Justice said the same thing, that, that that needs to be added into the rule, that if the quarterback stays on his feet, it can't be roughing the passer. I was I was floored. It was I think that was after a lot of these egregious calls. It was just kind of like those, you know, the Packers always get that one. Like, for some reason, they never get the benefit of the doubt. I get Clay Matthews a little bit, even though some of those were putrid. It's just I think they just think Clay Matthews is still on the team. So whenever the quarterback gets hit, it's like, that's probably a, probably a foul. Well, and I mean, that was the Darius Smith penalty yep. in the Saints game in week one. I mean, that was a textbook uh, example of how the NFL teaches guys to hit quarterbacks these days. This th- That will be held up, I think, as a perfect example of this is a clean hit. This is how we want it to go. Um, and for him to be flagged on that, that play was mind-boggling. For Jair to be flagged for didn't hit him in the head, didn't take him to the ground, you know, no body weight landing on him or anything i i just i i can't understand what they saw on that play i think i think we've be i think we've covered it enough yeah. i think the good news <laughs> is hopefully we don't have boger anytime soon i'm actually going to be at the cincinnati bengals game if i see jerome boger i will just be very sad so <laughs> fingers crossed on that one um we also have to give a shout out to the defense i know the final score didn't indicate it but that was far and away the best defensive performance so far uh I got to give a shout out to Barry too. I think he found yep. a weakness on that offensive line, especially on the interior. And he just said, we're just going to go all after that. And there's nothing you're going to do. To stop it. Cost a ton of problems in the run game and, you know, got a lot of pressure in Garoppolo's face. Yeah. And, and it was, it was impressive that they were getting pressure with four and they were, you know, and Barry also dialed up a couple of blitzes here and there to, to kind of keep him off balance too. So that was, I think, the the maybe one of the most encouraging things for me was to see, um, you know, him kind of go for the throat a little bit with, um, you know, in some key situations and really try to dial up the pressure, even when um, he was, you know, getting some guys uh, to to get some pressure with bringing just four rushers. I thought the secondary looked great too. I mean, Savage is one guy that I don't think we got talked a lot about last night, or I guess this is coming on Tuesday, so Sunday night. Um, he was just flying downhill reacting mm-hmm. to some of these passes. And, you know, once he's gotten more comfortable in the defense, I feel like it's happened his first two seasons. It takes him a few games to get comfortable. Once he gets acclimated, he starts attacking. And that's where he's dangerous is because he's so damn fast. Like his play yeah. speed is something that makes him deadly when he's on. So that was a really encouraging sign. Jair still being Jair. You know, you got Stokes. Amos is a captain. Slot's going to be the big question. I don't think Sullivan yeah. played great. Uh, I'm going to, we haven't seen much of King there and I know we all love to pile on King. He's definitely become the guy or the scapegoat. Um, throw him out there. It, I don't know how much worse it could be than Sullivan. It might be a lot worse, <laughs> but we might as well at least see it. I, I'd still rather see the, the Stokes Jair King trio with Jair in the slot, especially yeah. against teams that run their best receivers out on the inside. Um, that I think to me is is the best deployment of those three resources, uh, because I mean King, King is he is only going to have a chance I think to be successful if he's got the sideline to use as an extra defender. Um, but I think I, I, we saw Jair get targeted more so in this game than 
at any other point this season, maybe at any other point, even last season. Bold strategy. Yeah. And I mean, he, yeah, he gave up a couple of catches, but they were pretty much all really tough contested catches. He had Mm -hmm. three pass breakups with plus the pick. Um, You know, you, you can't ask much more out of your, your stud corner than that. And that pick was unreal. Um, oh yeah! For him to 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 go, you know, go deep, look for work uh, when when his zone was completely vacated, and to track that ball down and haul it in. Um, I mean, that's a that is an elite ball skill play, and I think we we don't get it. We might not get a chance to see that as much from him as uh, as we like, just because he's not targeted very much, just in general. I think outside of a blown kickoff coverage, which, you know, really did change a lot of the narrative of the game. Uh, I do think it was a complete game on all three phases. Uh, yeah. Borquez is awesome. Holy crap. I did not ever like, I know they traded for him, but the, I've never seen a Packers punter with directional punting skills. like that. <laughs> well, and he was kicking the crap out of the ball too, right? Yeah. Like the, the one that he put out of bounds was 50 plus and, basically landed, you know, a yard off the sideline. Um, it, it It's, I don't know what, what to do with this. I don't know how to react to a punter who looks awesome because we haven't had one since what Craig Hendrick probably in the mid nineties. I mean, it's been, I might not have been alive. I might not have been alive. <laughs> There's a chance. Man. Yeah. He's, and, he's fun. And, and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was great to see them make that move in part because so rarely do fans and, you know, analysts and, and people like us actually get something right that the team that, that we think the team should do. And then they go out there and do it. Yep. And then at least through three games to be proven that it was the right decision feels really good too. And obviously we just have to pray that Mason Crosby never ever retires. At- <laughs> I mean, he saved a touchdown on the on the kickoff return. That alone, now, there you go. Now, granted, they scored a touchdown anyway, and if they had just gone and gone ahead and scored the touchdown on the kickoff return, Rodgers might have had time to go down and put some more points on the board. But um, yeah, that was that was the the platonic ideal of a elite Mason Crosby game: three for three on kick on field goals, two fifty yarders, game winner, big tackle on special teams. Um, it was it was fun to to see him come up with a big game and then have it pay off with a game winner too. Well, we could probably talk about, I know you've already talked about this game at length. I could <laughs> talk about this game for hours and hours. Um, we got to get into a couple segments, uh, but first let's take a quick little break, um, get some ads cause we would like to make some money. So take a listen. And we are back. Uh, let's go into some segments. Uh, you know, even though Chris is not on today, him and I have been toying with some ideas um, wanted to start with, since, you know, this podcast is named after Nathaniel Hackett's gold zone and his love of gold member, uh, thought it's important. Maybe weekly we can start providing you guys with some red zone updates. So obviously with the gold zone, um, it's been a weird start to the year after just, you know, some truly historic numbers in 2020 Packers only go three of five with touchdowns. Um, this week there was that, uh, you know, weird opening drive where they got into the red zone and then got immediately out of the red zone and had to settle for a field goal. And then in the second quarter, there was that busted fourth and one, uh, seemed like a little miscommunication of the three yard line. Um, 
I know we've seen some cool plays near the goal line in the red zone, but do we feel like LeFleur gets a little too cute at times when it gets close? Every once in a while, just stick to something simple. And and the run game had been working pretty well. Um, you hadn't ever really been been stuffed in the run game. So you got to feel pretty confident in the offensive line getting a yard or two of push. And when that's all you need, just every once in a while, give it to A.J. Dillon in, on short yardage. Um, it, it does seem like sometimes it kind of just gets, he, he overthinks himself a little bit and, and yeah, he gets a little too fancy, just, you know, play ugly once in a while. And, and I'd love to see the, uh, the, the, the Dylan straight up the gut play or, you know, one, one day we're going to get a quarterback sneak on a short yardage play someday. Um, I'm still anti-quarterback sneak. We had this conversation oh, no. a little bit, <laughs> at least with with Roger. When you have an agent quarterback, it's just, I don't know, man, especially Rogers has been hurt too many times. It would just be a very classic Packers thing for him to get injured on a sneak. Um, I get it. I, I think if he was a little bigger, I would absolutely be a fan of it. Ben Roethlisberger. I don't care how old he is right now. That's a guy <laughs> I would have on a quarterback sneak. But with Rodgers, <laughs> I get a little a Lancey. I get it. I'd rather have the Dylan just because the man looks like an action figure out there. Um, I know we talk about his quads all the time, but you can't not. It doesn't make any human sense how <laughs> large uh, his legs are. Um, you know, it's not the end of the world. The good news is, is like after just such a bad showing, in week one, they're middle of the pack. They're 14th in the league in touchdown percentage in the red zone. That number is just going to keep going up. I feel like this is going to be a nice little stretch, uh, if, especially if TJ Watts out, although, you know, to be determined there, um, a couple nice stretch of games for the offense to get going in the red zone. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, last year, I think what were they at like 80%, like historically good in the red zone yeah. uh, last season. Um, certainly not a sustainable pace. Uh, so, so, you know, if they're somewhere in the high sixties, uh, by the end of the season, I think we, we should be pretty, pretty pleased with that. Um, just because that, that should still put them, you know, probably squarely in the, in the top 10. And, um, that was, again, that was such a huge, huge part of, of why this offense had success last year. Um, and yeah, hopefully they'll, uh, they'll keep it going a little bit or, or the way they have these last two games uh, as opposed to that ugly, ugly uh, first game. Cause I mean, they had what two or three red zone opportunities against the saints and um, you know, went over three, I think so, that, that opening one of the second half was just a gut punch. Yeah. You really thought they might start getting that, but you know, yep. that game doesn't count with a, uh, with an 18 week schedule and a bye week, you know, week one no longer counts. So totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, Let's go into the Packers positives. We are rebranding it already. You know, you got one episode of it and we were just like, you know, it's time for a rebrand uh, panning for goal. You know, maybe we made this segment thinking that Sunday night was going to be really, really hard to watch. So there are a ton of positives, but, uh, you know, make sure to talk to Tex. Uh, have one thing we want to talk about each. But let's start with yours, Tex. What was your big, uh, you know, gold nugget this week? Yeah, it's it's all about the offensive line play. Um, oh yeah, and and keeping Nick Bosa in check, holding him to one quarterback hit, no sacks, what four tackles, I think. Um, Yash Nyman deserves all of the credit in the world for the way he played, especially because he started really really rough on that first series. Yeah, you know, taking a penalty, blowing a block or two, um, and and almost costing the Packers points on on that opening drive. But after that, 
he, he, man, he settled in, he looked comfortable. Um, he did, you know, he, he, he did not stonewall Nick Bosa by any means, but he did enough to make sure that within the, the structure of the game plan, the Packers had with the quick passing game that, um, you know, he got on it out into his set quickly. He made sure that he wasn't going to get beat fast and, um, he really did a, a great job uh, for what they asked him to do. We also saw Robert Tunyon absolutely <laughs> explode yep. uh, <laughs> Nick Bosa on that play in the second quarter. That changed um, I, the whole Bosa impact, I felt like. Absolutely. As soon as that happened, I feel like you stopped hearing about Bosa. They started shipping him. He got a yep. lot more timid after getting his ass laid out. Yep. And then um, there was another, I think it was the last uh, completion to Adams to set up the field goal at the end of the game. There were double chips on either side. I think it was Aaron Jones who chipped Bosa and then Tunyon, I think, hit D Ford on the other side uh, to, to buy Rogers enough time to, to get that second throw to Adams to, uh, to, to get down to the 33 yard line. So they had, I think, uh, again, a great plan. Uh, Billy Turner was unbelievable. You didn't hear D Ford's name once the yep. entire game. Um, Josh Myers still looks like a tremendous pick so far. Um, had a, had a really solid day. John Runyon, good again. Uh, you know, and, and good on Runyon, honestly. Yeah. Uh, a guy that bear, I, I think he played what week one of last year and then pretty much never saw any action. Yeah. That- he got in, uh, he got in a couple games as a, as an in-game injury substitute. Yep. Um, I think he came in, uh, when, when Lindsley went down mid season, when they moved Jenkins over to center and, and brought Runyon in for a little bit. So he had a little bit of game action last year and maybe three games didn't start though. Um, but yeah, these last, these last two, he's really stepped up. Um, and I, I certainly don't know how you put Lucas Patrick in the lineup over him at this point, the way he's played. I'd, I'd um, go and, as far to say once Jenkins is back, I think he takes the right guard spot from Newman. Like I know, I don't think Newman's played great. I think he's played fine. Uh, and yeah. I think that's just part of being a rookie. You're going to come with some lumps. Um, I really do think it's one of those competitions. Who's going to start at right guard, you know, once, you know, box healthy and Jenkins is healthy. And I like that. I think competition is what, you know, makes everyone better. So again, yeah, good on him. I think that's been one of the more pleasant surprises for me on either sides of the ball so far. Yeah. And I, I was always high on Runyon coming out. He fit the the Packers athletic mold perfectly mm-hmm. for an offensive lineman. He hit all of the, the testing numbers that they look for. He played left tackle at a big college program in Michigan. Um, kind of like Cole Van Lannan this year. Um, he, he was, you know, one of those day three guys who, who tested well, um, you know, played well in, in the big 10. And, you know, even if you move him inside, he's got that blindside tackle experience that the Packers still love, even if they don't exclusively draft for that nowadays. So, um, it, it doesn't surprise me that Runyon is playing well. I'm, I'm just very pleased that it's, it's coming to fruition here in year two for him. The thing that got me on the post-game presser with Rodgers uh, after the game, I, I thought he was going to start choking up talking about the offensive line. You know, yeah. he was just talking about, like, before the game he was looking out and it was just, like, how different it was from a year ago. And it's just all the injuries and the fact that they all played their asses off. There's so many young guys out there. Yeah, that was an awesome moment. It It definitely feels like a, you know – if they can do that with this squad, what's it going to look like when everyone's healthy? Uh, that should scare everyone in the NFC. For sure. My Packers positive. Uh, I'm going to go with Eric Stokes. Uh, there are a lot of guys I could go to. I thought about Devondre Campbell. I think that he has been a great signing. 
Uh, I'm all in on the Stokes train, though. I think for a guy, to be fair, I usually watch a lot of college kids with COVID. I just did not have it in me. I When they drafted Stokes, I went, I don't know who that is. All right, let's see what happens. Um, I think he's played great. I think the, uh, ever, the hardest position outside of quarterback for a rookie, I believe, is corner. You were being left out there on an island, and you were still learning everything about technique in your system and everything. And he has such natural speed. I'm really surprised at how he's been able to change directions and stick to guys. Um, I know they tried to test him and he got a couple PIs. One of them was legitimate. I'll give them that one. Yeah, that I, one in the end zone, he yeah. definitely had his arm hooked around the receiver's yeah. waist. So other one I was, other one I still don't understand. He didn't touch the guy yeah. at all. But he's playing really well. He's playing with confidence. And if you can do that three weeks into your NFL career, um, uh, and you got Jair on the other side, like that's just so huge for the secondary in the passing game. So again, I think he faced a lot of adversity on Sunday night, but I think he, you know, came out stronger and he played pretty well. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's going to be very interesting when King does come back, how they end up deploying those guys. But I don't know again with, with how he's played these last two games, he clearly deserves to be the starter opposite Jair um, when you've got two corners on the field. So that I, that is very clear to me. Um, the length, the speed, the fact that again he 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 never got beat cleanly once in the entire game. Um, he was always around the ball and and around the receiver and contesting plays. So that's that alone is an upgrade from Kevin King, right? There's there's not much yak there, uh, even if the ball is completed. Um, he he looks like a willing tackler. Um, and, and I love the attitude that he displayed this summer talking about how, yeah, I know I'm fast, but I want to make sure my technique is good so that I don't, I don't ever want to have to rely on my speed. And you saw him do that, um, in the lions game, there was the one play where he did have to close, uh, up the, up the sideline. And it was very clear just from his, his, the, the, the amount of ground he covered in a short amount of oh, time, yeah. his, his speed jumped off the field with, with that play to, to get back in there and contest a, a, a ball um, into the end zone on that one. So it's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be real fun to watch him, but the early returns are great. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he does moving forward. Um, you brought up the uh, off season and you know, some of his comments, it kind of reminds me when Jair was a rookie. I vividly remember when he first came out, he was like, I'm going to cover Devante every single snap of training camp. Cause that's how I'm <laughs> going to learn. And I was like, you know what? I think that was the moment when I realized Jair was going to be you know, something else. That's the attitude you want out of those guys. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a different type of confidence. I think for Stokes, Jair definitely is the swaggy guy, the, which you need um, in your number one corner. I'm convinced. Absolutely. I am absolutely yep. convinced you gotta be a shit talker. You gotta go all out and you gotta have that swagger if you're gonna be a number one corner, but you're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but it's a good balance to, to have a guy like Stokes who seems a little, I mean, certainly a little more soft-spoken, but um, still, you know, brings the the right attitude and um, the competitiveness um, to to his game, and and knows the the way to to go about having success. It seems, um, and again, not not relying just on his tools, but um, you know, really focusing on on the technique piece of it, and which is what you need to do as a young corner in this league. Cannot agree more. Uh, let's get into the news nuggets. You know, just up, update on news after the game. 
Uh, unfortunately, that is always injury news, right? This early after a game. Uh, we will start with the positives. You know, obviously, Devontae missed what one snap of the game after that terrifying hit. Good news is right after the game, he did say it was not a head injury. It was a chest injury. He very specifically was adamant about that. Uh, He said he's going to play next week. Uh, The NFL did report as well that they did follow concussion protocols uh, and they did find nothing. I'm I'm buying it, but like Mm -hmm. it feels weird, right? Like I saw that and I was like, I'd be dead. It's it's shocking that it wasn't a head injury. Yes. Um. And and Devante has has had some some crazy bounce back uh, situations from injuries before. I mean, Rogers mentioned the one where he took the big hit from Danny Trevathan over the middle against oh, the Bears. A couple still of years hate ago, that one. And was was basically good to go. I mean, he was concussed on the field, but like 24, 36 hours later, didn't he, he go to the hospital? To normal. He went to the hospital. I think he, like, fine. I yeah. think he did, and then he was. That was a short week, I think, and he was back and, and ready to go. The, I think he the scored the game-winning game. touchdown against the Cowboys the very next yeah. week. And so uh, he he he's different. He man. is a different guy. So um, it it was it was shocking though to to see him get up and and not just get up but be back on the field. You know, literally two minutes later, and he was needed. That was yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I I've watched that first throw on that opening drive a hundred times at this point. Just, I do think he did not need to go out of bounds. I appreciated the effort. I think he could have cut in for a few more yards, but we're nitpicking so much at that point. Yeah. Um, other wide receiver news, not as great. Uh, MVS did get a hamstring injury in the game. I do not believe he came back onto the field. Uh, if I'm correct. Um, you know, LaFleur was pretty, you know, kept it close to the vest. Uh, he is getting a scan on Tuesday. Should find out more. Uh, but definitely one of the situations where it sounds like they're going to be a lot more conservative with rolling him out there. And honestly, I don't blame them. Yeah, especially with a hamstring injury. Those we've seen that be a nagging issue in the past. I mean, Devontae missed a couple of games with one last year. And um, especially at a position like receiver where your legs are doing so much of the work and, and you're, you're, you know, quick twitch muscles and things um, are affected. You, you don't want to push that um, at that position. So I hope he's able to go. Um, we finally got an MVS deep ball early in this game. Um, that one was, a, by the way, an amazing cover two beater call. Oh, yeah. um, the route concept with, with Devante coming out of the slot um, and, and taking the, the safety on the near side. And then MVS just running away from the other safety to the, to the corner. Um, great play call. Great. You know, Rogers kind of said that we've got, we've got things that, that we can dial up to be too high in the passing game. And and that was definitely one of them. So if, if he can't go, um, certainly that'll open up some snaps for, for the other guys, Malik Taylor. I wouldn't be surprised if um, you might see EQ get promoted um, again from the practice squad. If MBS can't go to give you a little bit more of that deep threat ability, um, I think people forget about Lazard as a deep threat. I know he's not the fastest guy, but that man finds ways to get open deep all the time. He does. Yeah, you're right. And I don't know if it's the fact, you know, I don't know if they, they match up linebackers or, or big safeties on him just because he's such an enforcer in the run game that they have to account for that. And he's able to, to, to beat them. I mean, he's also got an enormous catch radius because he's just so damn big. Um, So that certainly helps as well. Um, but yeah, it seems like a lot of his big plays over the years have come off of play action, which which is great, and and that's a tremendous role. Um, 
Although his his big one on that first drive was was one of those quick throws yep. where where Rodgers knew he had the matchup and and just put it right over his shoulder. So you, you're right. I think that there's there's some opportunity there for Lazard. Um, it'd be interesting to see again what they how they divvy up the snaps uh, if MVS can't go because it's basically been those three, those two, and Adams taking the vast majority of the receiver snaps this these first three games. Only other injury news I think notable that's been brought up is the Chris Barnes concussion. Um, that one does concern me just because uh, Ty Summers might have been the worst player out there. And I, I hate being mean to anyone. I get they're professionals and, you know, don't like to pile on. But, oh, my God, that was so bad. <laughs> what I want to know is is what it is about Ty Summers that they think is better than Oren Burks in base yeah. packages. Um, because I don't. I don't see it. Um, they they brought Burks on for a lot of the the obvious passing situations, and they brought him on a blitz occasionally. But what is what does Summers do that that is better than Burks at this point? He he missed. I think I think I saw he only <laughs> played twenty snaps and he missed two tackles. And yeah. then there was a play where Jimmy just what uh, Justice basically said he shoulder shimmied yep. Summers out of position. So it was just. A really rough showing in limited snaps. Um, it's I would not be surprised if they try, you know, consider McDuffie over Summers after that, or they look at, you know, some, working out some guys. I know that always happens throughout the season. I don't know. I just I think if they keep rolling out Summers there, there's something that we don't know. That they just are very attached to him. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, here's hoping that that Barnes is able to to get through the concussion protocol. But on that note, I mean, Devondre Campbell's been tremendous. Yes. I think these last two games, especially um, double digit tackles in both games. He's been in on a turnover in, in each of the last two games. A um, couple of great open field tackles in the flat that he made uh, that that kept the the Niners to, to minimal gains uh, that in pretty critical situations. So great, great, cheap, surprising signing um, and certainly got you know, better returns so far than I was expecting when they signed him in April, April or May or whenever it was. I don't even think he's been above average. I think he's been actually legitimately good. And that's not yeah. what we hear a lot about linebackers. <laughs> um, not about Packers inside. Not linebackers, about Packers sure. linebackers, <laughs> unless they go somewhere else like Blake Martinez, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, let's just Although wrap Blake Martinez uh, torn ACL this yeah. week. Unfortunately, that's a bummer. I know he badmouthed a lot of things as far as like the Packers scheme and everything, but who didn't? So <laughs> I'll give yeah. him that. Uh, <laughs> I never like to see that, but let's, yeah. let's wrap things up with just a couple things we might've missed with gold rush. Uh, the one I loved was the multiple fan videos. Everyone that's a Packers fan knows the meme of the guy at the Cowboys game going like, how they're celebrating and Rogers has a minute left with the ball. Uh, there were two different videos of Packers fans at the game. We're just like, it doesn't even matter. Like, yeah, we have 37 seconds. Why are you worried? <laughs> yeah, that, that one from the Cowboys game is a classic because as I recall, um, J.R. Radcliffe on the reporting is eligible pod for the, the journal Sentinel did a story and, and tracked that guy down. Uh, a couple of years ago. Um, so that was kind of fun, but yeah, that that's, it's always fun to, to see something like that, make its way around and come full circle again. Um, and that's for some, Packers for, fans. For, it's insane. And like, for multiple people to do it too. Yeah. Right. That, that was, that added to the, um, that added to the fun. I sure. saw, I saw screen grabs of like all these games where Rogers had the ball with just like a ton of yards to go, no time left. 
that all resulted in, you know, taking the lead or tying games. And uh, it's something I, like the other 31 NFL teams all have talent everywhere, but there, there's nothing that replicates that. And the fact that he does it so consistently, you know, everyone's talked about the Hail Marys, but it's, it goes so far beyond that. So many game winning field goals have been set up just because he his time management skills are out of this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, speak, speaking of that drive, I, I want to leave it on the most fun fact of the week. Um, the Packers had 42 yards on that final drive, right? Two chunk plays get the game winning field goal. That was almost as much as the Chicago Bears had in total yardage this week with 47. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard some stats on the radio today that that really underscored how bad the Bears offense was. First of all, they took nine sacks in the game. Yep. Um, with those nine sacks, that ended up uh, giving them a net passing yardage of one yard for the entire game. That's the lowest number since the Bengals had a net of zero passing yards in 2009, I believe, was was the number that I heard. Um, so, yeah, that was that was fun. And now the Bears and Matt Nagy are considering starting any of Justin Fields or Andy Dalton or Nick Foles, who might be <laughs> the best oh option gosh. of the three at this point. It's every week Nagy know. has a new press conference that just makes me laugh. Oh. How does how does he possibly make it through this season? With he, this I don't think he makes it through the. Yeah, I don't even think he makes it through the season, and that makes me sad. I was yeah. ho- I was hoping he'd stay a couple more years, but <laughs> uh, you know, at that point, this yep. ship has sailed. Uh, I will yeah, say little, again, I mention it every time. I love Justin Fields as a player and a competitor, so really hoping they don't ruin him. Uh, some we need someone competitive in the NFC North right now, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. I do enjoy some Schadenfreude. <laughs> well i think that's gonna do us for us the i love gold pod uh, you know i'm always happy to do it even though i'm sick but can you give us an i love gold i love gold i love gold <laughs> thanks guys <laughs>